We're starting at 29 today. It, what, wait, what book? Ezekiel. Still in Ezekiel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today is the last time we do Ezekiel, though. We're finishing it up tonight. Ezekiel. Right? We're finishing it up tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we go through 48. I'm gonna add those Paul random books in the Bible out. where the guy was clearly tripping balls the whole time. Not the whole time. Um, but a lot of the time. Calling yeah. us. No, it's okay. I just added them both. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's calling us. Should I decline his call? Uh, that's yeah, right. Decline, decline Paul Dawson. It's it's too late for him. Yeah, it is. Now I guess we'll talk about what we're drinking first. I want to go over the general structure of what the fuck is going on in this book. Okay. I'm trying to be clear about this. I get the sense that okay. According to one of my sources, we have all these prophecies against the foreign nations. Oh, yeah, you got it coming. Mm-hmm. You really got it coming. That's 29 to 32. And then in 33, we have the fall of Jerusalem. And then there's all these prophecies of – from 34 to 39, there's all these prophecies of restoration. Like someday the kingdom will be reunited and it will be under a king again, a Davidic king. It's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then – there's all this floor plan for the temple stuff. 40 to 48 is basically the, the new temple is going to roll. It's going to be this big. It's going to have walls and cubits and all this. Reeds. Shoot me now. Speaking of theocracies. Yeah. That's the very seat of the theocracy is carefully, very carefully described for chapters and chapters there uh, toward the end. So that's – I think that's – is that the general outline of what we're covering tonight? Yeah. Is that – Makes sense. I, I I'd be willing to skip all that uh, schematic description of the temple because uh, it bored the crap out of me. Yeah, there's. I did a lot of skimming this time. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Okay, we'll we'll dive in after after we talk about what we're drinking. I'm drinking. Okay, I'm drinking Bellhaven Scottish Ale because I have not shopped for beer lately, and so I'm still drinking off of the um the, the glorious, glorious victory. <laughs> <laughs> the Gotland over Romania. <laughs> In the IRB Rugby it World was. Cup. So, that's that's what I do with my spare time when I have it. I watch rugby. It was a thrilling win. It was in the late in the late stages of the game. Well, it, was it was great. It was thrilling that Romania gave them a challenge at all. It was, you know, it's nice to see a, a second tier team or well. But that's yeah. been the mood of the entire cup so far. All these second tier teams like. Forcing these uh, big guns to really try hard, you know? Yeah. Anyway, enough about rugby. <laughs> Who's next? Abby. Um, I'm drinking sexist Irish black lager from McSorley's. Did you say sexist? Yes. Um, I looked it up. McSorley's is a old-school pub in New York City. Um, in uh, until 1970, no women were allowed. Wow! Wow! So. <laughs> was it a gay pub? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was frequented by sailors. Oh, so yes, so no yeah. soldiers. <laughs> Apparently, the decor hasn't changed since 1911. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's McSorley's on fifth. East Seventh Street. Um, if you want to check it out, and it's uh, it's pretty good. So I guess they only serve ale. So how many sexist ales cancels out one of your uh, girly beers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, six of them, hopefully. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you, you go. 
I'm drinking a Jim Beam Black again, so I didn't buy any beer. So I grab the liquor. The double aged. It's eight years old. What it says. Well, <laughs> apparently whiskey isn't aged as long as like scotch and stuff. So. Right on. It's eight years old. A priest would love that. Oh. <laughs> he would love to put that in his mouth. <laughs> That's better. He can leave that in. I am drinking a Sweetwater Brewing Company Motorboat Ale. Sorry. It is their fall seasonal. Well, the description of this beer is an titillating version of an ESB. These babies are built for speed and comfort. Hit the throttle and dive in with your eyes wide open. Huh. Mm. Okay, that does sound like they're well aware of the Urban Dictionary. They're in there now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the same brewery whose pale ale is called 420. Nice. So we have two sexist beers. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm drinking my conservative ale. <laughs> Paul? Um, I'm drinking the Choctoberfest from Chalk Brewery, which is their German-style, you know, seasonal Oktoberfest beer. It's quite good. Right on. It's good beer. Um, okay. Let's get down to it. I don't have a whole lot of... What's it called? Uh... Material. <laughs> I don't. Things, things, I don't, things to say. I, I don't have There's that. Not, I don't have energy. So babies will do that. Blah. Yeah. Okay. So let's. <laughs> There's not really a whole lot here. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. I mean, wait. I mean, you framed it out very nicely at the beginning with the. Yeah. Like it's pretty much that outline with some embellishments. Yeah. That, All right. Should we call it a day then? That was actually Richard <laughs> Richard M. Davidson, professor of Old Testament, that framed it out that way. So. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. Was there anything fresh in this in this par, uh, part of the book uh, at all? Was there anything the, that yeah, the, the, felt new? The Valley of Dead Bones. It was dry bones. That was... Right. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. That's the one part of Ezekiel most people know. But it's also very fresh because it's the first time that the Jews are really thinking, hey, how about a bodily resurrection? Which then goes on to become their, their dominant resurrection paradigm later on. Creepy. Oh, good point. It seemed kind of like Frankenstein. Uh, it was it was creepier than Frankenstein because you had to watch all yeah. the tendons and muscles going back on. Yeah. You. <laughs> See, I like when Jack Harkness gets blown up. Oh yeah. Okay. Where were we? We're somewhere. We we're talking about um, what's new. Yeah. What's it's the... continuing. It's well, it continues all the doom stuff from before. It goes through all the countries they hate, and then it we get Egypt and. A lot on Egypt. And Babylonia's gonna kick your ass, Egypt. They will. Yeah, you have it coming, the, foreigners. The first interesting thing I have um, is at 33:21. Here they've started the stuff about the return to the land, the new, the revival, which I guess um, it happened to some degree, but not uh, what Ezekiel wanted. At 33:21, they. He suddenly finds out that Jerusalem fell, but I thought that already happened. Because, I mean, wasn't he already exiled and, like, he was living among the exiles? Yeah, yeah. But apparently, I don't know. But it says it happens right here. Um, and the the text, the Masoretic text, doesn't match the um, Septuagint or the Syriac manuscripts on the date. They differ by, like, half a year. They just give different dates. I mean, he could have been in a different city that got captured before Jerusalem. Um, well, no, he, all this stuff, it talks about being in Jerusalem. Oh. Or being in Babylonia. Remember, it kind of flits between them. 
Right. It's like either he's in Jerusalem mm-hmm. or he's actually in exile. And if he's either one there, it seems like you would know that mm-hmm. Jerusalem had fallen. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Well, actually, the, sorry. The dates are a year apart. January 8th, 585 or January 19th, 586. I'm going to go so, with 586 because it's reminiscent of the, um, the Pentium line of Intel-based uh, processors. Makes it easier to remember. Then you're following the Septuagint. Yep, I'm all about the well, Septuagint. Maybe this is like the Tarantino movie of the Bible, and it's just written all out of order. It's oh, yeah. kind of out of order. <laughs> yeah, it, order. there's no way to make it in order, unless you like chop up a lot of the books and start rearranging it chapter by chapter. And that'd I, well, be hard, because a lot of the stuff is written... The order it was written isn't the order it takes place in, so... Yeah, part of this book is put in a Quentin Tarantino film. You'd have to actually, yeah, you'd have to chop it up, not just at the mm. chapter level, but at the sub-chapter level. You'd have to start chopping up half chapters and rearranging it. Mm-hmm. It's, to make it it, it's, not, it, it's not exactly quoted, it's referenced. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> we did, yeah, you were talking about that last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, the bit that it was in was, was the part that we talked about last week. And it was, they referenced the verse, but he doesn't actually quote the verse that he says he's quoting. It's like... What does he quote? Just something else? Yeah, I don't he know what it's... The, yeah. I he quoted Ezekiel like 17.9 or something like that? That's what he That's says. That's what he, he says. Yeah. But it doesn't match. Well, you guys read the book. Surely you would have noticed if you're like recalling Pulp Fiction at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, we're, we're, so Valley of Dry Bones. It's... um. Shit. 37. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the Oracle. But actually, of Re- the only interesting chapter in this entire half of the book, really. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with you. On Easily. That. Actually, there was some, there was at least some other interesting stuff. There was some. Speaking of sexist, there was that part where God loathes you like the way He loathes a woman on her period. I missed that. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see that. Uh, there, I mean, there, and they talk about bleeding all over the land. It's kind of yep, funny. Yep. Yep. There was that after that. Yeah. So there was some, how do I put this, like, shockingly nasty stuff? Like, wow, that's, wow, ew. Um, Anyway, so there were snippets of stuff that I thought, well, I want to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. But not whole chapters. This whole chapter uh, with the dry bones is like, whoa, dude. What's go- what have you been you eating? you got to find a public domain recording of the Dem Bones song put it at the start of the <laughs> Okay. And also, there's oh, another song. There's a song called Ezekiel Saw the Wheel, I found, Googling. Um, it's like another gospel song about the crazy shit Ezekiel saw. Like the wheel in the sky? Yeah, you should put that at the other, top of the other one. keep on turning? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm... I'm kind of pissed I missed the um, donkey testicles verse from last week. <laughs> that was good. I missed That's it. Like, yeah, it was yeah. It's chapter 20, or 23. I thought I thought about that, and I was like, shit. That's been the best conversation about the Bible ever. You missed it. It was great. Uh, I look forward to listening to it when I edit the show, which eventually I will do, because I'm up in the middle of the night anyway. You know, what the hell? All right. Dry bones. Dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. (laughs) Okay, so somebody described the vision. Someone, not me. 
Wait, quick, what chapter was this in again? Uh, 30, 30, 37. 37. Okay. In a row. It was like the scene in The Lion King, where they're at the elephant graveyard. <laughs> but it's human bones I, instead of... Did elephant. the elephants come back to life in that scene? Because <laughs> that'd be disturbing. No, no. in this one, there's not two crazy donkey, crazy hyenas and a special hyena. My understanding about the bones was basically... I guess we should frame like what happened basically he has this vision of these bones and this is in a valley that were dry and old that grew mm-hmm. back their flesh and it wasn't a vision it really happened <laughs> the lord came upon me and carried me out by his spirit and put me in a plane full of bones this wasn't a vision i i think oh. that's by definition a vision when the lord transports you to some other place that's happening as a vision, right? I mean, I mean, even like the people who first had this book on a scroll <laughs> would not have interpreted that as teleportation, right? Um, well, he zips around between the other. He zips between Babylon and Jerusalem a few times. <laughs> it's like twenty-four. Yeah. But does he do that in spirit or in flesh, though? Because it's one thing to have like an out-of-body experience all the way to Jerusalem or all the yeah, way. Yeah, it's pretty confusing. You're saying Ezekiel's the first doctor, and he just went back to just Jerusalem and Babylon instead of like all over the universe. <laughs> Good, really shitty yeah. ancient TARDIS. The TARDIS will be and one cubit by one cubit, but <laughs> but on the inside it will be twenty cubits by twenty cubits. <laughs> Dear God, stop! No more. <laughs> what is all those cubits? I thought they were measuring with reeds. <laughs> All I know is the prophets had the best drugs. Apparently. <laughs> Actually, this sounds like a really bad trip. <laughs> yeah, the Valley yeah. of the Dancing Skeletons. Like, or, the only thing sorry. creepier than watching people decay away in, into skeletons is watching it in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> all the bones get up. They fit themselves together. Isn't this all like a metaphor for like the um, the resurrected Israel like assembling from all the... The exiles coming back and like forming the new state. That's what I was told. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what the church taught me. That sounds well. It's, yeah, it's pretty explicit. Like verse tw- twenty-two basically says, "This is Israel coming together, and they shall no longer be two nations divided." It's really, not much of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. And one thing in the Hebrew, it uses a pun. It uses the word uh, "ruach." Which means breath or wind, um, and it makes a pun with that. It means breath, and means the the life of nature, um, and like the spirit, like God breathes the soul into Adam or whatever he did. So it has that type of thing. So I wonder where the souls for all of this skeleton army came from. Were they like the original souls that belonged to the bodies, or oh, good, were they new souls? God just gather a bunch of bones to make a point? He's like, here. <laughs> I'm gonna set this up, and then I'll get him over here. This is the army of darkness. Yeah. But no, the way the way that it was usually explained to me was exactly that. That it was metaphorical about the whole re-gathering of Jerusalem and the, and the Israelites coming back together as a people. Which plays into the whole later part of the book. Yeah. I was going to say, which is very prophetic and, like, or, what's that I'm looking for? 
optimistically prophetic or something <laughs> where they're talking about God coming down and ruling forever and ever. And mm-hmm. it actually kind of reminded me in the first, the first few chapters, I don't think I noted it. So I'm not sure which chapters it was, but in the first few chapters, there was a bit that kind of reminded me back to the lectures uh, from the very beginning in Genesis that now I can totally not remember her name uh, that we were listening to where she was talking about how well and kind of the purity laws too about the whole like that God was going to come down and dwell because he tried all this other stuff like he tried giving commands and that (laughs) didn't work and he tried letting people do their thing and that didn't work so now God's going to come down and live in the temple and I got that hands on Right, and at the end of this, at these, this last bit of this week's reading, I was totally like, oh, okay, because it almost explicitly says that. Like, okay, your king sucked, everything sucked, so it's going to come down and, you know, dwell among you forever, which hasn't happened yet that I'm aware of, but maybe it will. <laughs> yeah, there's a definite, like, Torah vibe going on. Yeah. little leviticus well, and I thought back to Leviticus and even before that, I thought it was interesting the whole the emphasis on Egypt at around like in the late twenties, early thirties chapter markers. It seemed like there was a lot of emphasis put on Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, at, at this point, I didn't think I thought it was mainly like Babylon or Syria or you know these other nations. Well, like I, I thought Egypt was kind of irrelevant. At, this point but i mean not irrelevant but i didn't think that the israelite people really had a lot of yeah well it was it's kind of it was coming on the tail end of all the doom for all the other nations he kind of he went through the philistines edomites the ammonites and a lot on the phoenicians and then it ended on egypt right so it's just everybody hate everyone Yeah, there was a lot in there about the the setting apart too. Oh, what do they call it? The cultic practices or whatever. Like the there's a word that I'm looking for, but I can't find. But there there was explicitly stated in this section about the separation. Like our people are separated, and we need to be separated, and that's why all these other places are. But that just calls back to everything else. I mean, that's been going on since Leviticus. <laughs> mm-hmm chosen people. You know, there's a messianic prophecy in chapter 37. Really? According, I thought according, this to, book. according to other Christians. Oh. 37:24, and David my servant shall be king over them. Oh, that's kind of lot, <laughs> I wrote a lot of stuff where people think that's Jesus, apparently. Well, it, it, it has to be either Jesus or a failed prophecy, because by now, the United Kingdom of David and <laughs> Solomon are long past, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's um, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, did they, yeah. It must just mean someone in the Davidic line, but they say my servant David. Right, but I, yeah, I think it's fair to say that I, I, I don't. I think we'd be being overly uncharitable if we said that couldn't possibly just be a reference to the Davidic line. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, oh, I, oh, I when I read it, I immediately assumed it was a reference to not David himself, but. His royal line, right? Yeah, when I read it, I, I googled it to see. I was like, uh, "There's probably going to be a whole shitload of Christians that say, oh, that's a messianic prophecy.'" Uh, and I was right. Well, mm-hmm. what else could it mean? I, I mean what, oh, no, hold on. 
let's forget about the messianic <laughs> prophecy for a second. What is it? What do you think it meant to the people that first had this, you know, written oh, down? Oh, I, I assume they thought it was the line of David. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, to them, it well, not literally just... means a reunified kingdom with a with a, a Davidic king, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's say to me, this is a people in exile, and they have a prophet that's writing and writing this stuff, and to them, this is totally like. You know, at this point, King David and his kingdom is like this standard, and it's like, yes, this is yeah. going to come back. Somebody from this line is going to come back and reunify us. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I know. I just know being in the church, like, pretty much everything in the Bible that talks about David after he's dead, they say is talking about Jesus. <laughs> well, that's because the messianic hope that's expressed in the Old Testament is about having someone from the line of David bring back the glory of the unified kingdom. The United Yeah, that's why, mm-hmm. that's why they had to shoehorn a lineage into Jesus. Right, two of them. Two, two of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's two different ones. Places, <laughs> David. Yeah, but, but, but the thing is, to me, this looks like a literal, like, there's going to be a kingdom again. The north and the south will be reunited, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and there'll be a... Well, it gets kingdom. really explicit later on. It lays down all the tribes. Right, well, that's, that's right yeah. Whole, yeah, yeah that's what the whole... Bones prophecy is supposed to be about is, mm. like we said, all them rising up and being a kingdom again. Did you oh. did you take the bones to be an allegory for not like it's like to me it's not really about the resurrection from the dead which is what it's about for Christians. Yeah. It, it looked like to me it was like it was an allegory for like the people of Israel as a people being, you know, being brought back in, into their position, you know, the rightful position as the United Kingdom. Uh, strong and central and centralized. I, I, yeah, but they has to be what it is because you're using they, logic and context yeah. to figure that out. Well, I mean, it, it's pretty, it says that pretty explicitly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get what this would have meant to. I'm, I'm less interested in what it means to Christians now uh, until we get to the old, in the New Testament. Then I'll be interested in that. <laughs> right now, I'm interested in what it would have meant to Jews back then when they first had this book. Well, I think right the uh, I think the verse sixteen shows that it's talking. It, it's even giving an, a a way of how Israel can can be strong again, and how we need the the house of Israel and the the children of Israel to join together. I don't know what that means, but they need to join together, and, and that's how they'll be reformed and strong, strong again. Well, yeah, right there, it's thing? talking about taking a leaf and writing instead of. The leaf of a tablet is taking two tablets, one's, one's Israel and one's Judah, and connecting them. We don't have leaves, we oh, have sticks. Connecting the... <laughs> Wait, do you have... Oh, it's a leaf. it says leaf of a tablet. One leaf of a wooden tablet. Whoa, whoa. Are you, are you in... Where are you? 37? 37, 15, 16. Okay, yeah, the King James translates that very differently. What's yeah. it say? It's two sticks. That's that's why you didn't get my two sticks right reference stick. earlier. I talked about oh, beating him with okay. the stick that used to be two sticks. You didn't get it because you're looking at a better translation than I am. Yeah, leaf, <laughs> of, leaf of one tablet. So it's like they have a tablet with two parts. How much you want to bet that word is obscure in Hebrew? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it just means tree or wood. Oh... So how does that become a leaf of a tablet? I thought tablets are made of Well, stone. if it's a wooden tablet, like one block of wood of a tablet. Oh, a wooden tablet. Uh, were, were we still... Were we doing more of 37? Is there more of 37 than we want to talk about? Um, I think that's the only interesting chapter in this I'm chapter. I'm good. Book. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm good. 
Can we talk about Gog uh, and Magog? Yeah, and how they're cursed sure. and terrible things are going to happen to them. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> had you heard about because I had heard of like Gog and Magog as like a vague concept oh I thought it was supposed to but, be like Russia or something well it's Gog from Magog but it kind of got mutated um, and they both became characters I just I mean I looked up the Wikipedia page because I don't know where I heard of them but I had at some point but um like some other other things, they just they acquire their own life because people, you know, they reread this shit and they gotta make sense of it. So it just kind of grows. Yeah, apparently Josephus identifies them with the Scythians, which are, you know, they're from the same part of the world as uh, the Kurgan in uh, Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> It's the best reference I can think of for that particular tribe. I think mostly it's considered an allegory. Like, there wasn't actually a gong. Hmm. Byzantine historian uh, Procopius saw uh, Attila and his Huns as a uh, gog. What did they know in the Byzantine era? Well, right, they yeah. Know. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a good, good guess, though. <laughs> Just some vicious horse riders from e the east, okay? That's that's what yeah. I'm getting at here. Mm. What about where the rediscussion of the law? Like, were there any? I had intended to go back and try and contrast that to, like, later on in the book when they're talking about building the temple and everything. They talk about setting up the the priesthood and all of the you know purity rites and all of that stuff. And I had meant to to try and see if there were differences or how related oh, they were or oh, how close oh, they oh. were. I have, yeah, there there are differences. I have an interesting point on that. Um, where'd it go? 45. Skipping ahead, all this boring shit. Um, <laughs> and basically, they, the 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 boring they give a lot shit of instructions. Say that again, both of you, but one at a time. The boring shit that she's referring to is basically about a bunch of measurements using reeds that took I don't even know how long, um, and were kind of boring. Okay, but they Continue. were so holy. Yeah. They were so holy. I guess if you ever want to build a temple, the new temple, but it's right. not. This isn't. Is this actually the second temple, or is it just like Ezekiel's like concocted idea of what a temple should be? It's probably just free Because this is a bit before Ezra. <laughs> this, this is, is pretty the temple actually built. Right, I was gonna say this is pretty um I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of measurements in there that make me think that maybe he's describing something actual, but at the same time Yeah, actually I, I have that I mean, I had that thought back in Leviticus when they were describing the tabernacle. Um I mean, I don't know. Yeah, this this chap those chapters gave me a um, Vietnam type <laughs> flashbacks to, to yeah to Leviticus. <laughs> it's similar. Oh, you were no, traumatized by Leviticus, so <laughs> PTSD kicked in. Yes. Post Taurus stress disorder. <laughs> Post <laughs> and the gay community has that. I bet. <laughs> All right. So what? 
Sorry, Paul. What about these laws? <laughs> Tell us about these laws. Yes. Abby had huh? a point about something oh. different. Something. In 45. Yeah. She like, started a thought and I interrupted. Oh, shit. Well, no. Well, I started. I noticed all the stuff we were skipping and I didn't want to. So oh. Is there something you'd like to cover? Uh, I just I wanted some. I don't know if anyone's comparing to see if all this stuff matches the descriptions of the second temple. Um, so I don't know if it's describing a real temple or. I know at some point my notes say that um, the altar resembles the ziggurat, which is interesting. Definitely shows the Babylonian influence. Yeah. It's somewhere in chapter forty-three. All the Zedekites, Zedekite priests, I don't know who they are. Um, okay, the, the part I wanted to mention. Um, 45, 18 to 20. My Bible has a really interesting note. This is the... Um, 18 to 20 is the... Let me go. 45, 18 to 20. There's the bullocks again. It's the um, the expiation ceremony that the priests have to do every day, or twice a month here, and apparently this does not match the um, the same task from Leviticus 16. <clears throat> and comparable discrepancies in relation to the prescriptions of the Pentateuch concerning sacrifices created problems about the eligibility of the entire book for the canon as is known from rabbinic literature. So the the rabbis were like, this doesn't match the Torah. This might not be this might just be shit someone made up. Um but I guess it snuck by. Or they could have just been playing a game of telephone over the years and someone just got it down wrong. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, if you I tried to compare them. This is just like really simplified version. The Leviticus said to do a whole bunch of stuff and this just says sacrifice a bull twice a month. Yeah, if they could fit all that in one chapter, it it's very yeah. simplified. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they could have I would have been perfectly happy if they left Ezekiel out. <laughs> Damn. You were so close. <laughs> well don't worry, we could do Daniel next time. Like shit happens in that book. <laughs> I am excited about Daniel. Much stuff. I thought it was interesting how the twelve tribes suddenly reappear. Right, but in this in this new fantasy of like how they're gonna be in the new Israel. Yeah, like the end of chapter forty-seven and forty-eight. Um, because I mean, weren't like ten of the tribes? Aren't they called the lost ten tribes for a reason? Yeah. The ten tribes. Was it was it ten tribes that disappeared, or was there the yeah. ten? Yeah. ten. Okay. There's, all of them except, well, I mean, they didn't really disappear. They were just there when the Assyrians took over and, like, their culture was wiped out. If, yeah. I mean, the tribes even existed at all. Well, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. They seem kind of, I don't know. But, it's yeah, everyone except for... Judah and Benjamin. Yeah. But suddenly they're back. I guess the, um, when when the exiles return, they're just gonna like divvy themselves up by tribe or something. I don't know. Everybody pick a tribe. Yeah, I call Reuben. <laughs> Me too. Why would you do that? You call Levi. That's the best one. Yeah. Reuben has the best sandwiches. 
Oh well, yeah, the Levites. I mean, it's a theocracy. They get the they get the pimp quarters no, in the Levites center. Levites get free shit. Yeah, but they got to go around being pious all day. That sucks. Well, they got to. It's like the Catholic Church. You got to pretend to be pious. Hmm. Or they could be like the, like the Borgias or like the awesome popes. They could be the old popes that had like mistresses and wives and stuff. Okay, let's finish Ezekiel. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what damn else it. do we have? There's not much. My car gets 40 rods to the hogshead. Do you want to talk about the uh, menstruating women <laughs> or how Israel is like... Hell yes, I do. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mark it down, but I do remember it. It's very offensive in the Bible? Uh, I missed never happened. Just a second. I think it was Ezekiel 43. Well, what's the word? I'll Google. I'll search my Bible. What's the word the KJV used? It's 36.17. How does it read? In the King James, it reads as follows. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Which is not, it's not, if you're reading in the King James, it's not obvious that you, you mean oh, she's wow. in the red tent. But if you, <laughs> uh, that wasn't meant as a euphemism. It was meant literally <laughs> the red tent. Uh... It's more obvious in other translations where they talk about monthly uncleanness. My, wow, mine totally doesn't, mine just says, man, when the Israelites lived on their own soil, they defiled it with their ways and deeds. Their ways were foul and disgusting in my sight. And doesn't mention anything about the, I think the Blue Letter Bible has some things to say about what you're talking, like. If we went to Blue Letter and went through 36, there'd be some words that your Bible's entirely leaving out. Yeah, look up the um, Septuagint versus Masoretic text. I have so much trouble spelling the word Ezekiel every time. I do too. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> Even Ezekiel thinks that my mind is gone. That's <laughs> 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 been stuck in my head for like since we started Ezekiel. <laughs> 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 Okay, That's so the key word here, Abby, is is Strong's H5079, which is the Hebrew nida, which I think has to refer to a woman who's abiding in the red tent, as it uh, were. Yeah, hanida. But does it also refer to just impure things? It could refer to well, uh, yeah, other I kinds think of ceremonial impurity, I suppose. My translation's just idiosyncratic, i.e. stupid. But like almost every instance I'm looking of of H5079 is is not referring to impurity. Um, in Numbers 19 it just means impurity or uncleanliness. Waters of impurity. Isolated woman. Isolation. Gold removed. Plus be removed. Isolation. Earlier in Ezekiel it just means um. Isolation. Hey, Abby, do you have a sense of how many thousands of people were actually exiled? Because I I'd read um, some scholars saying it was just a few thousand. It was just like the super elite. And that most me, people actually weren't exiled, just like the literate elite that they wanted for service. Yeah, I think we talked about that last time. I was saying, like... I missed one time, and everything comes up. No, I just meant... Just that. <laughs> <laughs> How? Don't they talk more about that in Daniel too? Yeah, but that's a, that's a late book. But um, yeah, yeah, it was mostly the elite who were exiled, so they left all the um peasants and shit. They left the so, dumb people. 
The people yeah, who just the people are... who don't matter because. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a um, revelation coming on. Yeah. yeah, a bunch. Um. Well, when I was surprised about how he hears about Jerusalem being destroyed because they're already exiled. Um, the exiling started with King Jehoiachin, but um. But there were still, pe- I mean, they didn't exile all of them until, well, not even, but Morga exiled. Li- Jerusalem wasn't taken until, wasn't destroyed until um, when Zedekiah was deposed. <laughs> so there was, there was a period of time after some people were exiled, but before Jerusalem was destroyed. Yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> Jehoiakim. It wasn't very long. Oh, yeah. It was like ten years, maybe. So, so I guess there's no mistakes, and this is all true. Yep. There you go. <laughs> it is you the butt convert now. At least you don't have to get circumcised. And while we're at it, this says tens of thousands were exiled. Really? That's not that many. I don't know. What, what, what source is that? The Oxford History of the Biblical World. Hmm. I don't know. Tens of thousands, like there were only 300 Spartans at uh, Trifthermopoly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the Bible says. If it's taken what the Bible says, then I wouldn't. I doubt it. But it doesn't say how many. It doesn't give numbers, does it? I don't know. Maybe it does at some point. Maybe I think it gave numbers. I think Ezekiel early on gave numbers, but um, I mean, I wouldn't trust him. He says bones come back to life. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. But he saw that happen, though. My bullshit archaeology class, I can't remember how many times they said they took people from Israel. I want to say three. Hmm. I want to say that that Daniel was in a different group than a lot of the other prophets that were in exile or something like that. (laughs) That Daniel was written in like 200 B.C., yeah. I wouldn't trust Daniel. I wouldn't trust him further than I can throw him. Which is pretty far, really, because he's... He's in the Bible. <laughs> you can throw the Bible. You can check a Bible pretty far. So should we finish Ezekiel? I have nothing useful <laughs> to say about done. Ezekiel at this point. This book is goddamn terrible. I'm so glad I think we're done. done. <laughs> I was going to say, and Ezekiel. <laughs> Ezekiel. <laughs> Ew. Enjoy your theocracy you. in your brain. The celebration, bitches. The Oklahoma Atheists Godcast is produced by the Oklahoma Atheists. The mission of the Oklahoma Atheists is to develop a community of individuals and families who value and promote critical thinking, free thought, reason, and a scientific worldview, and who seek to have a positive effect on the community at large through fellowship, rational discussion, community service, and education. For more information, please visit our website at www.oklahomaatheist.com. To join discussion about the ideas presented in today's show, please visit our blog at blog.oklahomaatheist.com.